0: Hi everyone, my name is Wendy Yao. I'm a first-year resident in anesthesia. We're here today to discuss the questions that we received through the last negotiation survey. And this is part two to our first podcast that went through the introduction to negotiations and who are the players and processes in terms of a broad overview. Uh, Once again, the current contract started April 1st, 2019 and runs for three years until March 31st, 2022. RDBC has had five surveys over the past 12 months, and the surveys were about every aspect of the collective agreement, ranging from parental leave, benefits, call, and academic activities. And we had a really good response with nearly 1,171 residents responding to these surveys. And now we're going to respond to some questions related to the bargaining process. And we have here today uh, Harry Gray, who is our Executive Director at RDBC.
1: Wendy, thank you. Thank you for um, having me back again. Um, uh, before we begin, um, I want to acknowledge that I'm on the traditional and ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, uh, the Musqueam, Tooth and uh, Squamish nations. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to live and work in this territory, and I acknowledge the gracious hospitality of our traditional hosts. Turning to your question, um, So I think the first one is um, who actually does the bargaining? Uh, And we are represented at the bargaining table and our chief negotiator uh, is um, uh, legal counsel, uh, Tony Glavin. Tony is a partner at Kosky Glavin, one of the top ranked labor law practices in BC. Tony has extensive experience in negotiations Um, and has previously represented uh, RDBC in the last round of negotiations. Um, He also represents other healthcare unions in their uh, negotiations, as well as unions in education, transportation, and municipal sectors. Uh, Tony is a very experienced negotiator and and really an asset to uh, RDBC. Um, At the bargaining table is also uh, myself, I go. Um, I have extensive experience in labor relations. and, uh, negotiations. Um, I'm often asked how many collective agreements I've negotiated and actually I've lost track. I don't know. It's something North of about 25 is my guess, but I, I really, I've, I, I never kept the record. Um, so I've got a lot of experience in labor relations, not only within RDBC, RDPC, but also in other healthcare sector negotiations, um, as well as negotiations in other industries. Um, uh, one of the things you should know is I used to be a vice president at a hospital, or sorry, at a university, so I've kind of understand not only how the health system works, but also how universities work, and it's very important in my role, I think, to be able to understand the, the sensitivities in both of those uh, employer groups. Um, I'm also a bit unique because I used formerly worked at um, Health Employers Association, so I kind of know all sides of this business. Uh, We also have a bargaining team of residents um, and they've been carefully selected uh, for their skills and commitment to their fellow residents. it's important uh when when you pick a bargaining team that you get the voices of residents um, from across multiple programs and and you can't obviously have one from all 70 plus programs that we have but you get a good range of people both in terms of what uh, year level they are at so whether it's r1 i think we've got R2 through to, I think there's either R4 or R5, I'd have to go back to my notes. We've got a good spread this year as well as a good spread across programs. Um, And they are a really vital part to the process because um, having that resident input and that resident understanding of of the issues that are actually on the ground and happening is is absolutely vital to the bargaining process. And I'm, I'm very happy with the team that we've got this year. Um, The team um, has been partly formed by members of the board, Um, so there's one from the board executive, uh, and then there's also another from uh, the non-executive members of the board, as well as three uh, representatives from the general membership. Um, And just so you know, there was an application process and and uh, we had a a really good range of people that that applied and we were fortunate in being able to pick this nice selection of people. So that's how the members are selected. All in all, there's about eight of us that go to the bargaining table. Um, Tony being one, myself, a couple of staff members from uh, HE, from RDBC, pardon me, and then uh, five resident representatives.
0: Got it. And uh, thank you for that. Our, our next question is, what is the process for negotiations, if you're able to kind of go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so preparation for negotiations um, starts uh, well over a year um, before we actually get to it. So we uh, we started it, RDBC started it kind of formerly um, uh, about a year ago a little over a year ago, so 13, 14 months ago. Um, and we what we do uh, is we start by sending out surveys to residents to understand what they want, quite extensive surveys. Um, <clears throat> and so we, we time them out. Uh, if you put them too close together, your response rate drops off. Um, so we're quite careful how we send out those um, uh, surveys. Um, and we got an excellent turnout um, uh, to the to the resident to the surveys. Uh, on average, I think we are getting over 230 individual residents responding to each one of the, the surveys, which is pretty good. it really gives us a good sense um, of what was there uh, and what people are thinking. Um, We've also so that's one, one thing we do. we start that over a year uh, a year in advance. Um, we also have rdBC staff that review other collective agreements across uh, Canada. Uh, to see what their uh, particular provisions are and also what um, changes have been made to their collective agreements. Um, we listened to our Council of Program Representatives, often called COPER, for their input. Um, Rdbc staff also review the issues that they've been dealing with since the start of this collective agreement. what kind of common issues are we dealing with are there problematic parts of the collective agreement. Parts of the collective agreement that we found that are um, not making sense there's there's a few of those Um, and then. uh, All of this uh, rolled into a really long series of issues that are grouped together. Um, and uh, we're in that process right now. And so what the bargaining team does is it takes all of that input that I've just talked about. So the surveys, the review of other collective agreements, the COPER input, the um, staff input, all of that gets rolled together. And we we put them into a bunch of different categories. And then we start to look at what's within each one of those categories um, and what uh, uh, sort of what the highest priority Um, issues for us should be once we get to the table once we get to the bargaining table that is um, we we take proposed language on how the collective agreement should be changed um, based on all of that input and all of that prior prioritization um, and uh, and obviously the advice of the bargaining team because they're the ones that review all of this and then we present that to the employer group uh, and say, these are the changes that we want to see to the collective agreement. Now, the employer group does the same thing on the other side. So they'll be coming to the table, and they'll have a series of, of things that they want uh, to see change in the collective agreement. Frankly, our list tends to be longer than their list, but they they will come with a few proposals as well. And then that's when negotiations start, and they will we will exchange proposals and talk about issues and, and talk about you know, areas where we can see uh, making change. That's the process.
0: Got it. Thanks for the overview. Um, And with that being said, what what is the timeline that we're looking at uh, for this process for negotiations?
1: Um, That this year is unusual. Um, And it's unusual for a number of reasons. Uh, The first thing to note is that the current collective agreement continues on until a new one is negotiated, um, and so we're ne- we will never be without a contract. This one automatically rolls rolls on. Um, the timeline for our negotiations really depends on the issues that are up for discussion. Um, so we anticipate that this round will be a complex one because we want to make some, you know, quite significant changes to the whole call process. Um, but we also need to watch how other um, people within the sector are negotiating their collective agreements. Um, and right now, nobody has gone to the bargaining table. That's a bit unusual, if, if I can tell you that. Um, normally, other unions would have already started somewhere in the fall. Uh, Nobody has gone to the bargaining table. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. In my mind, it's mainly around uncertainty, um, uh, both in terms of what's happening uh, as we speak. uh, Omicron is just ramping up, um, and there's great uncertainty within the provinces to what's going to happen, but there's also uncertainty of, um, of negotiations. However, once we start negotiations it's usually a relatively short process. Typically it kind of takes eight to 10 weeks. Um, So the big question right now is what, at this point, when we'll be starting to negotiate? I hear rumors of early in the new year, that is in early 2022, Um, but at this point, as I say, there's no agreements uh, with any union, big or small, um, to start the process kind of rolling along. So as I say, there's not much of a surprise considering the uncertainty in terms of inflation for union members and for revenue streams in the province. Um, I would not be surprised if uh, we do not conclude the um, agreement until sometime after it expires, uh, March 31st, 22. Having said that, it also wouldn't surprise me if negotiations were to begin and travel at a very high speed early in 2022. Uh, We'll simply have to wait and, and see. Uh, What is important to know, though, is that we've been preparing for over a year. And at this point, we could start negotiations if it was uh, appropriate for us to do so.
0: Got it. Um, And what is negotiable? So like like, our working hours uh, pay everything negotiable uh, or only select uh, elements of our employment is on the table?
1: Well, the quick answer is everything related to your employment is on the table. So working hours pay everything that relates to the resident experience. Um, the long answer is, um, as we mentioned in the first podcast, we work within a mandate from the government and focus on the priorities of the membership. Um, and so those of you that haven't heard, I really suggest you you hear the first podcast on what, what is PSEC and what is what its role is. Um, we also have to be conscious of residents' role as learners and the impacts of what the contract has on the academic requirements that you have as, as you go through. And there's that's something that we always keep an eye on because um, it, it is definitely a factor for um, residents as they go through residency.
0: Got it. Uh, and our next question relates to um, what have the five surveys sent out since the last collective agreement was signed identified as priority issues? Um, how receptive is the negotiation team to new issues such as for example 12-hour weekend shifts for anesthesia or um, obstetrics and gynecology
1: so the process we follow is to take all of the input we, we receive and categorize that in, in that feedback into a whole group of themes um, so um, uh, all of that happens um, just as an example if there's an improvement in benefits is one of those themes as is call workload that's a second kind of group theme. Um, that we have. Within benefits, uh, you're going to see changes to, or requests to make changes to maternity and paternity leave, changes to long-term disability, um, on like that. In all, we've got over 130 suggestions for changes to the agreement so far. Um, We're always open to be uh, looking at more. Um, we're currently working on sorting those suggestions into n- nine major themes. So as I say, you know, benefits would be one major theme. Call workload is the second major theme. Once the themes are established, we review each theme and discuss the issues uh, within each of that um, from uh, the input from resident uh, surveys and from Coper and, and we discuss that all with the bargaining team to get their views. Um, It's vital to get the resident input from the surveys co and the bargaining team, just so that we have a full picture of what's going on. Bargaining team also discusses uh, which items are most important to the membership. Um, And so there's kind of a ranking process that goes on. Um, uh, This this year, there's been lots of people uh, that have expressed input about call processes and pay. uh, And that's certainly something that we need to be looking at. Um, The employer side, uh, as I mentioned earlier, goes through the same kind of process and brings issues of their own to the bargaining table.
0: Awesome. Uh, And Harry, how will the negotiations committee be communicating with programs about anticipated changes?
1: So at this point, we cannot um, anticipate what the contract changes uh, might be. That's going to be the process of negotiations, obviously. Um, Once we have an indication of, of the changes that will be agreed to, um, we reach out to COPR to gather information and feedback to assist the negotiations team in their decision-making. Um, when the bargaining team has gone through the bargaining process, the final, um, I, I, I actually um, I need to just pause here for a minute. There's one more survey that needs to come out um, and we're waiting until the PSEC mandate is clearer. But what that is, is it's a prioritization of what the membership sees as being most important. And that's one of the things that we pull back into the whole uh, process. But when when we get towards the end and the bargaining team has gone through the bargaining process, the final proposal is then taken to all residents. So every resident will get an opportunity to vote on the proposed changes um, and the new contract. Communications regarding negotiations will be shared through uh, Council of Program Representatives, COPR, and directly to the membership as developments occur. Um, When I think about negotiations, um, I always think about the Ernest Hemingway quote, um, how did you go bankrupt? And and he said, well, it was gradually and then suddenly. And that's really how negotiations go. Um, They're often um, a slow process that has a very sudden finish in it. Typically, negotiations will seemingly go for week after week with little apparent progress, and then suddenly over the course of a couple of days, and it's usually not more than a couple of days, they're long days, they'll go to, you know, three o'clock in the morning, I think we were signing the last collective agreement, but they're long days, but it will then conclude within a very short period of time. Um, as a result, it's typical to go weeks between activities that's really worth saying anything to members, I mean, other than another week, another week's gone by. So we will be communicating when we get down to the process, um, as we go through the process, uh, and we certainly will be communicating with the membership when we get down to a deal that they can vote on.
0: hmm Uh, And on the topic of communication, will residents be able to access uh, minutes or documentation from the negotiations committee?
1: Um, Yes, and no. Uh, We will uh, publish broad themes for negotiations. Uh, So, uh, this will go to the membership in the form of a survey that I I mentioned just a a moment ago so that they can rank what is most important to them. Um, We use that information, obviously, to finalize our proposals. (laughs) <laughs> excuse me, keeping our proposals confidential is crucial. Um, if we were to share our proposals broadly, then the employer would know in advance um, what it is that uh, all the, you know, all that we were thinking um, and it would negatively impact the negotiations success. Got it. As a result, the precise details of our positions are typically not shared Um, we keep our true and final positions to the bargaining team. Otherwise the negotiation process starts to break down and ultimately doesn't serve the membership as well um, as if we we keep things closer to the chest. The negotiation process obviously starts with us asking for many things. We will deliberately be asking for more than we can expect to achieve. Um, We have had many suggestions from the membership And all of those suggestions are being considered for presentation at the bargaining table. As part of that analysis, we formulate our proposals to have the most impact and success at the bargaining table. It's expected that the employer side will have different priorities than we do, and that may have issues that are contrary to our own. Uh, We should be careful not to create expectations about specific proposals that our DBC might have uh, and that we might not be able to achieve in the final end.
0: Great. Uh, Thanks, Harry. And um, another question that a membership had was, can we negotiate both salary and benefits?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's a core tenant under the PSEC guidelines that um, we negotiate both wages and benefits, Um, so both salary and benefits. Um, Every item um, is costed and must fit within that mandate. uh, So improved benefits uh, get costed out of the overall increase. Um, The requirement to trade off items with costs makes knowing and respecting member priorities uh, even more important because we must focus our spending in the areas that really matter to residents. Uh, The negotiations team has to balance the interests of every residence. And that's one of the reasons why we make sure that we've got people that, (coughs) excuse me, come from uh, multiple um, years and multiple programs. Um, You should recognize that removing costs um, that residents experience is the same thing as getting wage increases. So last round, um, uh, we achieved getting CMPA fees paid for. Um, While this was not a wage increase, it had a similar monetary effect as a wage increase because all residents need to have CMPA coverage. So that's one of the things that we look at is how else is there a way that we can get, effectively get money into residents' pockets.
0: Great, thank you. Um, That's good to know. And what are the projected new salaries for residents?
1: Uh, Unlike uh, other provinces, BC salaries are controlled by this government mandate. Uh, this is done through the PSEC process um, that we discussed in the first uh, podcast. It's important that residents understand the implications of these mandates, and I encourage you all to uh, listen to the role of PSEC from that we discussed in the first mandate. All unions right now are awaiting the mandate for this bargaining cycle. It hasn't been published yet, and and uh, um, once it's published, we'll make sure that uh, you know that it that it's made public, and and you'll be hearing about it
0: hmm Great. Uh, yeah, that would be um, that would be definitely something for me to look up once it's published. And, in the in the worst case scenario, what happens if no agreement is reached uh, during negotiations?
1: Um, that is the worst case scenario. Two things could happen. Um, uh, the first is recognize that there's 185 other collective agreements covered by PSEC so one possible outcome um, for rdbc not reaching an agreement is that our negotiations would simply stall um, and there would be no agreement in which case the collective agreement that we've got continues on Um, this has happened in the past few years with not with us but with one of the other um, healthcare contracts sector contracts Uh, and what happened was they just uh, the deferral of negotiations lasted for many months in fact i think it lasted over a year if i'm right um, in that situation, um, as I say, the current contract continues on and compensation will continue until a new agreement is reached. So that's one thing is you get kind of this stall of negotiations. Um, the second alternative, and it can work in conjunction with the first, is that RDBC takes a strike vote um, and takes strike action. Um, the membership would need to vote and approve the holding of a strike There are many considerations um, that need to be taken into account before RDBC would stage a strike, Uh, and it is certainly a decision that we would carefully consider um, and should carefully consider as it has an impact on the length of residency and therefore on graduation. So those are really the two options. One is to kind of, for negotiations to slow down. The other is to actually take strike action. Any strike action, though, would be preceded by uh, input from the membership
0: got it thank you um and thank you so much harry for providing this great overview of the bargaining process um so how can residents best advocate um just to wrap up this podcast um how will residents get information and can how can we get more involved in discussions
1: so that, that's another great question wendy and i want to thank you for this session um for all of these great questions. Um, the the best thing for residents to do is to provide information and feedback to the bargaining team in a timely way. Um, success is built on evidence based decisions and providing data with our proposals. The, the only way that we can do that is to be getting high quality feedback from the residents. And sometimes um, during negotiations, this will come in the form of we really need your input and we really need it now. And so I, I ask that you. Um, that that all of the listeners, um, when they see that, really respond to it because we need that information in order to know what our next step will be, um, and we will do that through surveys, but we'll also do that through COPER. So you may be hearing about it through your COPER rep or at your academic half day through your COPER rep to say we need some feedback on this particular is- issue. Um, Uh, residents are always welcome in addition to all of that our residents are always welcome to contact us directly um, uh, and throughout negotiations communications will be sent out to members as needed Uh, the way to get a hold of us is uh, info at resident if you've got something on your mind please let us know what's on your mind and with that back to you
0: wonderful thank you so much harry uh those are all the questions for today And uh, thank you for joining us for part two of our series of podcasts covering um, the contract negotiation process for our collective agreement. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.
1: Thank you.